As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM. K292-FQ Riverside and K293-CF Moreno Valley. Your NBC Sports Radio update starts now. They're in the top of the fifth inning, a game that started at 1.10 Eastern time. They're over in London, the Yankees, with a 15-6 lead over the Red Sox. New York took a 6-0 lead in the top of the first inning, knocking starter Rick Porcello out of the game. The Red Sox returned the favor with six in the bottom of the first, knocking out starter Masahiro Tanaka. New York put up three in the fourth, six, three in the third, excuse, two in the third, excuse me, six in the fourth, one in the fifth. They still have the bases loaded with just one out. Again, Bombers with a 15-6 lead over the Red Sox in London. With NBA free agency set to begin tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, here's the latest. The Golden State Warriors, according to reports, are expected to reach an agreement with Klay Thompson on a five-year, $190 million max contract. Free, free agent Nikola Mirotic has decided to sign with EuroLeague club Barcelona instead of a possible $50 million contract in the NBA. The Houston Rockets center, Nene, has declined his player option. He will become a free agent. The Nuggets are extending a qualifying offer to Trey Lyles. They have also picked up the option on all-star forward Paul Millsap. That's $30 million. And how about this story from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne? Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard have shared conversations on their free agency future, including the possibility of signing in the same franchise the Clippers and the Knicks currently have enough to sign two max players. This update is brought to you by Wrangler Performance Series, a collection of jeans and pants featuring a Comfort Flex waistband and denim that flexes for comfort. Wrangler Performance Series, try on a pair today. Once again, the Yankees with a 15-6 lead over the Red Sox, top of the fifth inning. The Major League Baseball London Series, first of two games across the pond. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Get all your scores on the NBC Sports Scores app. This is KCAA. 
It's time to shop in the cool, relaxed comfort of the Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands, conveniently located on the I-10 freeway between the Alabama and Tennessee exits. Bring the kids too and watch them play in the only indoor fun center. High Five Indoor Playground, where parents are welcomed on the playground. Birthday celebrations are encouraged, so make plans for some great fun at the mall. More reasons why the Tri-City Center is called the Mall with a Heart. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is the man from yesterday. And back in time to this time in 1978, actor Bob Crane, star of Hogan's Heroes, is found beaten to death in a Scottsdale, Arizona apartment. Bob Crane was found in bed. He was discovered by an actress friend after he failed to show up for a luncheon. That murder is still unsolved. The evidence pointed to Crane being attacked while he slept. The attacker, someone he knew. Someone who had access to and was familiar with the apartment's layout. And from this time in 1964, Joan Crawford has pneumonia, and it forces an indefinite production shutdown on the film Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, also starring Betty Davis. Hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. Charlotte, don't you cry. And back to this time in 1983, NBC says it's replacing the comedy SCTV starring John Candy on Friday nights with something called Friday Night Videos. The new series debuts July 30th on NBC. Tonight on Friday Night Videos, brand new videos from The Police, Rick Springfield, Stray Cats, and Stevie Nicks. A world premiere video from Olivia Newton-John featuring John Travolta. With more at manfromyesterday.com. KCAA. IWC Motorsports reminds listeners drunk driving remains one of the nation's most serious issues. Remember the three C's of safety, caution, courtesy, and common sense. This reminder from IWC Motorsports, located in and around the San Bernardino area since 2011. For a wide range of general automotive repair services, you can call 909-885-9000. That's 909-885-9000. IWCmotorsports.com. On the air, because they truly care. NBC News Radio, I'm Phil Hewlett. President Trump is now in South Korea after wrapping up the G20 summit in Japan. Before leaving Osaka, Trump told reporters trade talks with China are back on track. He said he met with Chinese President Xi Jinping and that U.S. farmers will benefit from the trade negotiations. Trump, meantime, will be meeting with South Korea's President Moon tomorrow. While there, he hopes to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un at the demilitarized zone just to shake hands. He told reporters he would be okay with stepping into North Korea for the handshake. Inside sources say actress Lori Laughlin is worried about the outcome of her not guilty plea in the college admissions scandal. More than 50 parents have been charged and accused of paying bribes to get their children into high-profile California universities. 14 of those charged, including actress Felicity Huffman, have pled guilty. Phil Hewlett, NBC News Radio. Express 106.5 FM. The number one FM talk radio station in the Inland Empire. KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Express 106.5 FM. (laughs) 
You've heard AM, you've heard FM. Now, tune in to DM Radio, the world's longest-running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Welcome back once again. It's time for DM Radio. Yes, indeed, rocking and rolling through the year 2019. 2020 is a half a year away, folks. How about that? It's going to be a year of great insight, I'm, I'm sure, because, of course, hindsight is 2020, and that means when 2020 comes, I'm sure it'll be the singularity, right? I'm being somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but I just came back from the Bitcoin conference out in San Francisco, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit in our show today, title being Your Professional Roadmap, Successful Careers in Data. Boy, there are plenty of successful careers in data, folks. I just, like I said, came back from the Bitcoin conference. Those folks are so interesting and so neat and cool to talk to. And, boy, there are a lot of jobs in the Bitcoin space. A lot of that would be in the programming side, but, uh, you know, there's data underneath in the blockchain you have to watch out for. And the bottom line is that data is the fuel of the information economy. So it's a big deal. It's everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to remain everywhere. And that's what we'll talk about today. So we have Todd Matt from Amalgam Insights, my good buddy Chris Sorensen is a consultant these days, Kirk Bourne from Booz Allen Hamilton, and Greg Michelson of Data Robot on the line. And uh, since we have so many great guests, I'll dive right in. And Todd, I'll throw it out to you to start us off. What's your advice for someone who wants to get a good career in data? Well, thanks, Eric, for having me on. Uh, that is a, a really great question. Um, <laughs> and I'll do my best to try to answer, uh, you know, how to how to have a good, successful career data. I think, you know, we when we when we talk about data, we very often talk about data science, and this is actually a, a field um, that has emerged, and a term really that's, a, that's emerged over the last few years. And as uh, not to steal the thunder of one of our future guests, but I, I really loved in the preamble a little discussion about what you need. Uh, to be a data scientist is to be good at data and to be good at science. Uh, and I, I'll say that what I have seen uh, out there now, uh, a, a couple of things. One is this is an incredibly broad category. Um, and if you look at job ads in particular for data science, it seems that they want somebody who has, I don't know, a Ph.D. in five different, uh, five different professions and um, – 30, you know, 30, 40, 50 years of experience uh, averaged across all the things that are required, which, which simply doesn't seem feasible. Um, when, you, when you dive into it, though, and you, and you talk to data scientists, and, and certainly I, I don't want to overgeneralize here, but in particular sort of the, the, the younger folks, um, what I see more and more is that data science is really about coding. And I get the importance of coding. I'm going to date myself here. Um, I first learned Fortran with punch cards. Uh, so you know, I, I, I understand coding, and I understand the importance of it. Uh, and I, I think it's absolutely critical, and the technologies we have are, are truly amazing. But let's not forget the scientific side of this. Um, there are some cool sayings in, in statistics and experimental design, which I, I taught at the university level for 25 years. Things like garbage in, garbage out. Um, things like 
Let's not overfit the data. Let's not overcomplicate it. Um, the most elegant solutions and some of the most breathtaking discoveries are actually quite simple. Uh, and they involve a critical evaluation of data. So I know that AI and machine learning and deep learning and all these various buzzwords, again, amazing technologies, um, but analyzing data can actually be pretty straightforward, and working with data can be straightforward. But you've got to take, in my opinion, a scientific approach. Um, and unfortunately, to be a good scientist takes a long time. Um, science is, is as much an art as something that you can teach objectively. And I think, at least for me, as somebody who's been doing uh, behavioral science for 30 years now, that's what is fun about it, because it's not something that you can just teach in a cookbook. Um, there really is sort of an art to it, and to be able to, to look at data in interesting ways, to not overthink it, to not overcomplicate the situation. Um, so... These are great careers. I would urge anybody who likes numbers, anybody who likes facts, which uh, unfortunately are not extremely popular in uh, in the modern world, it seems like. Facts don't seem to matter for many people. But if you like facts and you like data and you like understanding, then I think it's a great career uh, and something to, to strive for and just put your head down and go for it. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I'm glad you mentioned that actually facts. I mean, we don't, uh, we have a policy of no politics on DM radio, but just outside of politics, there is so much emphasis on opinion these days and so little emphasis on facts. And let's face it, data represent facts. That's what they're supposed to be, right? Data are points yeah. of fact that need to be considered for running your business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, you know, Absolutely. Politics aside, no problem. Look, when you know data, and especially when you understand statistics, and you realize that the word prove should not be in your vocabulary, <laughs> because you can't prove anything from an experiment, you can only disprove things. Um, now, you can, you can have overwhelming evidence in support of a position, but um, understanding that there's always uncertainty, uh, but that you're always striving for the truth, the data, the data are the pathway to the truth, are the pathway, provides the pathway to the facts, and the problems that we face today in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, you know, in our everyday lives are solvable if we apply and look at data and apply these scientific methods and acknowledge that Facts matter, and yeah, that facts I are out that. there, uh, and, and, I, and absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, let me cool. let me do this. Let's bring in our next guest, Chris Sorensen, and stick around. We'll probably get early to the roundtable, I'm guessing. Uh, let everyone get some good points across here. Chris Sorensen, I'm guessing you'd agree with a lot of what Todd just said. You know, I love this whole concept that data represents facts. That's why they call them fact tables, right? Exactly. Go and throwing yourself all the way back to Kimball. I like it. <clears throat> How's it going, Eric? <laughs> good, man. Good. Nice to have you back on the show. Yeah, great. Great to be back on the show. This is, a, this is a kind of our million-dollar question: is is uh, you know we all <clears throat> want to try and find people that are wanting to be that next generation of uh, data analytics and 
we hope to kind of, as, as uh, I guess, leaders in the, the data analytics space, be able to grow people down that path. So that's kind of our million-dollar question is how do we find those, those next-generation people and how do they grow their career, whether they're somebody who is uh, coming out of school and doesn't have a lot of experience, how do we grow them into those data skills and they're going to kind of wonder the same thing. So hopefully we have some listeners that are kind of in, in, in that stream saying, hey, I'm, I'm new, I'm out of university, I'm going to college, I want to learn some about data. How do I do this? And then I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people even out there in the business nowadays that, you know, they've been working maybe on the business side for a long time. They've been kind of doing analytics on their own, maybe with their spreadsheets and kind of doing what they can uh, in that classic silo-based thing. They're saying, you know, there's got to be a better way. I'm pretty sure we could start doing things a little different. And those people are kind of, you know, people that we're watching uh, grow into the space as well. So we're trying to help them, you know, not just get their career started, but to kind of get their career started in data because they already have some existing uh, experience in there. So the, I guess the big question is, who who is this data person, and and what kind of skills do they do they have, and how do we want how do we want to start growing those skills? So uh, I guess in some ways, uh, I I look at a good per, a data person as somebody who, that I think uh, Todd mentioned earlier, is the and maybe didn't use this word, but it's curious. They're, they're always wondering right. about things. So they're, 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 they're interested in trying to learn a little bit more about something, and that something is usually a business process. And that business process, you're trying to use data to try and you know understand why things are happening the way they're happening and, and kind of trace things back into facts. And, you know, you know my, myself, I have to admit, I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I hop on an airplane, and my first question to myself is, I wonder how much money they're making on this flight. How much fuel is this going to burn? Is the wind blowing in that direction going to cause this to, 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 to spend more? There are a lot of people on this. That, like, you know, what do they charge for seats? So I'm, I'm always thinking about. I got a cost accounting background, so I'm thinking about everything from a from a profit perspective. You know, the good old profit motive. Uh, you know, then you you go in, you ask yourself, well, why am I paying five dollars for this pop at a baseball game? Yet this. You know the owner says they're losing money and they can't they can't make any money. So, but I paid five dollars for a pop that cost five cents to make. So, you know, always thinking about these things. And so I think that's kind of one of the first things that people need to have just that curiosity and then the ability to start uh, doing some investigation on it, kind of stitch all the pieces the uh, pieces together. So, I kind of want to talk a little bit about how people can get their career started if they're new. How you can kind of move into the data space if you're already a business user. Uh, or maybe that's, a good, that's a good point, too. You're already a technical person. Yeah, I was going to say that this is a good point, right, that uh, number one, your data people, you want to have some people who really know the business. But I, I like your attitude of bringing in some younger people and getting them, getting them rolling fairly early in the process and getting them to appreciate it. But I think that curiosity is, a, is certainly a key component of the person who is going to do well in this space because you want to know. You're interested in learning. You're not uh, taking a passive role. You're curious about it. And I think there will be more and more people who find that interesting now that I think it's a lot easier to, to do data management with the tools. It's a lot easier to do data analytics, for example, because of all the technologies. And so there's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of fun times to be had playing with data these days. Right, Chris? Exactly, and that's you know you kind of touched on some pretty key points. There is 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 that curious person. We're, we're always looking for people that are go getters. I want somebody who's going to you know go off and want to learn things, and they can guide them. They can motivate themselves to do things with guidance from us from a data perspective. Because like you're saying, the the field of data is big, and and it's you know. You're talking about, we're talking about trying to instill some basic data management 101 principles in, in a lot of people. And I've, I've often kind of said to a lot of business users that, 
if you just had a little bit of data management 101, if I go all the way back to just a little bit about how to design some basics around a database, because everyone's managing spreadsheets and you know, silo databases to augment systems that aren't cap quite capturing the information they want. If we knew how to you know, teach them some basics, and this is like 101 stuff on how to do it a little bit better, a lot of data problems will start to go away and allow people to get to analytics a lot quicker without dealing with a lot of those data quality things. And that's, you know, the people don't really spot that stuff until they see the big picture of just how large the data management, analytics, business intelligence, data science, whatever term you want to throw in this whole industry, uh, it's huge. There's a ton of different roles, and it takes a lot of different people to get to successful analytics. There's no one person that can do all this on their own. It requires, requires a team, and sometimes people just don't see that uh, in the space because when they when they think about, you know, most people actually when they think about analytics or data or data science, they in their minds see, you know, a one-page report or report coming out saying, well, here's here's what analytics is. It's this report right here. But they forget about all the supporting tasks that sits in behind there to actually make all that work. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 an int- it's a very wide space, a very exciting space. I'm very glad I'm in the space. And I'm you know, working a lot right now to welcome people in that space as we grow our consulting company with the right skills because, uh, you know, finding good talent is hard. Uh, you know, I think we probably all agree on the phone here that, uh, analytics is a very in-demand space and trying to find good resources is hard. So we've kind of taken the approach to say, you know what, uh, they're not not on trees all over the place. Let's start growing them on our own and trying to get those skills baked into those individuals and grow them and get them to buy into our culture as a great place to work. And we'll, we'll coach them along and teach them and, and kind of build a build a great organization that way from the ground up. So it's, it's a long haul uh, approach that we're doing here. We're not just going to hiring people all over the place and exploding onto the scene. This is about getting the right people in and training them and uh, understanding where they are in their in the spectrum. Yeah, and that's good stuff. And it also, I think it's important to have that commitment to the long term, right? I mean, one of the important things with being a data professional is that you have to learn how the data exists in your business and what kinds of data you're going to be dealing with and you really want to understand the DNA of the operation because over time you'll figure out those nuances of how data fits into that particular puzzle, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, tying, to, tying to what Todd was mentioning earlier is, uh, is, is we want to not just have people go and take that, you know, that one or three-hour course online about data science and say, hey, I'm a data scientist. I just, I just watched a course, right? There's, if that's one piece of the puzzle on the, on the long journey towards having that data acumen and data IQ in an organization. Uh, so we want, we want to start trying to grow them with all the proper skills. And that's just one of the, one of the many pieces in there. You, you can't be a data person by just doing one course. You need to kind of, you know, get in the right situation, have a coach, a mentor, you know, a good business situation, whatever it is, and then the people that kind of say, kind of guide you along on that stuff. And and what we're finding a lot of times is just given there's so much stuff to know in in you know, business and data management, it's just so large that we're, we're finding a lot of teams that do analytics. There is no one person that knows how to do all this stuff. We, we when we bring, or at least we're seeing uh, a pattern, this is when people come to the table to do analytics and organization, maybe it's just, you know, just pick a generic sales example, it requires somebody at the table that knows about data management as a subject matter on the topic that we're trying to measure uh, and understands maybe the, the systems that are around it. So it requires a lot of different people because the fact of the matter is that's, those skills don't all reside in one person. I, I know business users would love to go hire one person, that good old unicorn that's out there, but 
the field is so large and the systems are so different that it requires a lot of people to come to the table uh, to make a lot of this stuff uh, a lot of this stuff work. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that kind of gets back to collaboration and one of the, I think, myths around data science, as it's called, which is that, oh, you hire a data scientist, that's your superhero who's going to solve the world's problems. That's a pretty rare person. I mean, you're going to you're going to have some people who are the so-called full-stack developers and who really do understand the business and can do that whole kit and caboodle, as they say, but that's going to be a very rare person. And you don't want just one person in that position. You want teams to be able to collaborate around these things, right, Chris? Exactly, and that's that's really how you build a sustainable solution, right? Because nobody would start off a new initiative by saying, we want to put this all in one person's head and it's going to be all in them. And then should that person move on to a different role or different company, all of a sudden all that vanishes with them, right? If you you can build those skills around many people, you know, people can come and go as they please and you're you're good to go. So it's sustainable. Yeah, you have to... Exactly. You have to document things, and we're, we're making a lot of progress in that space. So you know, back to the topic of jobs, I'll just throw out some terms, folks. Data catalogs, they're really coming along these days. They finally can do what we've wanted them to do for years. Semantic engines are more important now than ever. Uh, obviously, big data uh, is something to be focused on, learning how to access it, what to do with it, where to put it, how to analyze it, all that kind of fun stuff. All these are different kinds of jobs, but they're all very important jobs in the world of data. And you can rest assured, things like big data are not going to go away. The IoT is full of data. There's a lot of stuff happening out there. And we'll talk about that in our next segment. So, folks, don't touch that dial. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. You are listening to DM Radio. Here is today's top automotive tech story. I'm Mick Miles. BMW technicians across the U.S. are in for a digital overhaul. The luxury brand announced recently that it will equip its technicians with augmented reality smart glasses that it calls Tassel Vision smart glasses. While wearing a pair of these smart glasses, a technician can see, receive, and open documents and view them on the glasses. Wearable technology also provides a hands-free link to BMW or Mini engineers for issues. For more automotive tech news, go to testmiles.com. Hop into the all-new greater-than-ever Corolla, now with a redesigned sporty exterior. The Toyota Safety Sense 2.0 comes standard with advanced tech safety features, bringing peace of mind to every drive. Go to toyota.com slash testmiles for details. You're listening to Global American Broadcasting, the Gab Radio Network. For more info on our programs and services, including technical operations and syndication, please visit gabradionetwork.com. Dehibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, Dehibo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Dehebo Tea Club's original pure Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at buysupertea.com or call 818-274-8270. That's buysupertea.com, 818-274-8270, buysupertea.com. 
You ever see The Wire? That's the finest testament to failed policy through the art of television that I have ever seen. I'll tell you where I think we need to go next on Dan's Life. Think you've got a good radio show idea? Gab Radio Network can help you with your podcast or radio show. Find out more by emailing sales at gabradionetwork.com. The only real win for all of the Americas, and definitely the United States of America, is an immediate end to the war on drugs. It is one of the greatest scams in human history. From it spins catastrophe after malady after tragedy. It has helped to create, among other things, a broken immigration system, terrorism, gun crimes, human trafficking, landed property disputes, murder and mayhem by torturous, sadistic cartels, onerous taxation, the imprisonment industry, frayed and near-severed police and public relations, assassinations of free press and reformers, corruption, the courthouse attorney industry, race relations degradation, wage suppression. Need I go on? It, the war on drugs, should not. When the war on drugs was halted in Colombia, murders plummeted there. Out-migration plummeted. Quality, education, and wealth grew. But the war moved to Mexico and places like Honduras, the Yucatan. Now murders in Mexico, 22,000 last year versus 18,000 here, and we have 200 million more people. That has turned Mexico into a war zone. The Mexican government, along with support from the DEA and other U.S. agencies, has waged a war there that makes Colombia look like child's play. 114 politicians running for office have been assassinated since September of last year, along with over 60 journalists. Reformers and their families die. It's no wonder people are fleeing Central America. Find out more about Dan's life on Facebook. Search at French and Friends. That's at French and Friends. Since the war on drugs, we have here more drugs, more violence, more illegal border crossings and broken communities than we have ever seen, not to mention greater gaps in wealth. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks. Back here on DM Radio. A little bit raspy today, maybe because uh, I was burning the midnight oil in San Francisco, hanging out with these just wild and wacky Bitcoin folks, man. I absolutely love them. <laughs> it was just a blast. There's this guy, Max Kaiser. I think his name is. He was so passionate up on stage. He was like, was it he who owns the Bitcoin, rules the world? He was saying uh, that the way we get the laws changed is to buy the change. Buy it with Bitcoin. It was going nuts. Oh, my goodness. There's a career in Bitcoin, folks. I can tell you that San Francisco appears to be the epicenter for that stuff. Uh, and it's just amazing how it's taken off. But back here on planet Earth, we have this thing called science, this thing called data science. And I've always said, Kirk Bourne of Booz Allen, that data science really is the assiduous management and analysis and leveraging of data, the full life cycle of data, right? Because there's this this uh, this concept going around called the reproducibility problem in science. And I heard that a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I had to laugh because I thought to myself, guys, if it's not reproducible, it ain't science. Like, that's axiomatic to science is that you can reproduce it. So if you can't reproduce it, you're not doing science. But, Kirk Bourne, what do you think? I think you hit the nail on that head. <laughs> Absolutely. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But uh, unfortunately, people call things science that isn't science, and so I guess there needs to be that conversation. And the same applies to data science. And uh, so everything others have been saying, I'm you know fully on board with. Uh, I've been thinking about the sort of data literacy, you know, data profession, data career thing for over 20 years, because uh, I spent 20 years at NASA working on data systems as an astrophysicist. And seeing more and more data come into our world, I realized that it was also coming into every other part of the world. And hence, you know, we would need a, a data literate workforce. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, sort of 20 year, 20 year process, uh, <laughs> after spending half my career in astrophysics and now this latter half in data science, I'm, I'm thinking of all these things that uh, we're talking about today. So one of the ways I like to describe you know, the sort of data science uh, it's something Jim already just said in, a little while ago, and that is the two most important things are the data and the science. <laughs> the data themselves being the input. The, the data are themselves the input, the facts, the things you analyze, you measure to understand your world, whatever your world is. And the science is, is that process. Like you said, it's, the, it's a formal process where you, you, you infer a hypothesis from your data and you design some kind of experiment or model you know, to, to verify or test that hypothesis, and maybe it's not verify so much to test and, and that your model actually works to explain something. And then, of course, during that validation phase, you, you'll learn how to modify and improve your hypothesis, and you and you do it again. You run, you run another model. Anyway, so it's, it's a process. It's not a one-shot one that you've done. Yeah, and that's such an well, excellent But when it comes point. down to... Yeah, uh, Go ahead, but I was going to say that's such an excellent point that it is a process, and guess what? That's the job, right? That's what you're doing. That's what you get paid to do is that process, and then you do it again, and you do it again, and you try to tweak things, you get better, but the point is you do it, and that's the job, right? Yeah, I always like to tell young data scientists uh, uh, sort of my one, you know, one of my questions <laughs> in a job interview is ask them about the, the, uh, how their models failed. And what did they do when it failed? And specifically, I say that uh, the good data scientists 
uh, on any problem they're working on should fail twice at the start. And what I mean by fail twice is if you build a model and it has some accuracy, let's say you, you measure performance and it's 95% accurate. How do you know if 95% is good enough? You know, maybe it's, maybe you can achieve 99.9%, but you don't know if you just measure that one number. And so you, you do that and then you run a second model where you, you, you modified the, maybe the, the algorithm you're using, the, the input features that you've selected from the data set. Uh, even the validation metric itself. You do these tweaks and variations and do a second model and, and measure its performance. And if the accuracy has improved, then clearly the first one wasn't right. And so you don't really know if the second one's right. So you, if it's improved, you, you keep tweaking in the same direction so you get to see how much more you can improve it. If the model gets worse, you tweak in the opposite direction to try to get it to be better. So basically what it boils down to is what you learned in elementary school or maybe middle school, that in order to get the slope and a curve, you need two data points. So one data point doesn't tell you the slope, you need two. And once you know those two, you know whether to improve your, what direction to go and to improve your model performance. But you have to build those two failed models first in order to, to get those measurements to know which direction to go to improve. And so I want people well, to tell me yeah. that that process that they went through to get that to that better model. Well, and this is actually very interesting because I think one of the misconceptions about data science, for example, is that people view science as some sort of really complex and cool thing, and really it's actually a fairly tedious job if you get right down to it to do it correctly. Now, these days we can automate much of the tedium that gets us to the interesting stuff much more quickly and also helps with that reproducibility side. We'll talk to Greg Michelson in just a minute here from Data Robot. That's where those guys have really kicked a lot of of butt, quite frankly, is building out a platform to capture a lot of that stuff such that you can do your job as a data scientist and just have fun with the data. But I think one of the points that you're making here quite clearly, Kirk, is that there is this process and it's it's a fairly unwieldy thing to get your head around a data challenge and to effectively and incrementally optimize models because there are so many different factors there's so many different ways that you can that you can slice and dice the data to to learn things and it just takes a lot of time and playing around with it and kind of going with your instincts and your creativity at a certain point right Kirk? absolutely i think uh the uh the process doesn't need to be too onerous or scary i mean sometimes i think we've sort of made this point a, a couple times already today, but sometimes people think of science as this big, scary thing, right? Big, scary monster. And I taught data science at the university for 12 years, and one of, even though I taught at the graduate level, I also taught the freshman intro course. And a lot of times those students would take that class because they needed just some kind of science class to graduate, and they didn't really like science, but they said, well, I need a science class, let's do this. And, uh, just, and basically, the, what I discover all the times I've done this is that normally the, the, the student who hates declares that they hate science is they're declaring they hate to memorize facts. And that is mm -hmm. not what science is. Unfortunately, it's taught that way in courses and in, hmm. in schools, especially before, you know, you know pre-college education in science is mostly just classes where the students memorize facts and then regurgitate those facts on an exam. And, and, if, and if that's what 
sciences, and I would hate it also. <laughs> but I love science. Yeah, it's not names and dates. Of discovery. Right. Discovery yeah. is what every human does. So so I think it might have been uh, uh, Todd or maybe Chris said this a little while ago that, you know, that the person we want that might be attracted to doing data science is a person who loves data. You know, love science and stuff like that. And I say, no, the person who should be attracted to data science should be the person who's human. Because humanity is all about discovery of your world, being curious, asking questions, you know, trying things out. I mean, just look at any child as they grow. They're always testing and, and you know, questioning things. Why? I what? How? And uh, that's, that's a natural human thing. So, so I always talk about the, uh, failing the seven C's. <laughs> of data science maturity. The seven C's, of course, is a, a metaphor, not for oceans of water, but the letter C, the letter C. So I, I talk about uh, being uh, computational, being creative, being curious, a critical thinker, continuous lifelong learning, communication skills, collaboration skills, a courageous problem solver. That is to say, sometimes, uh, you know, organizations... Uh, have opinions how things should be, and and you know, like like Mark Twain said, another beautiful theory is destroyed by an ugly fact. <laughs> you know, if the ugly fact is what's going to set things straight, then you got to be courageous to bring that ugly fact forward. And and they, and uh, and and one of the other things I like to talk about is this uh, cool under pressure. And my, hmm. <laughs> I came up with these, it's actually more than seven, but I just call it the seven C's because it sounds like a good metaphor, sailing the seven C's. But yeah, cool yeah, under yeah. pressure, I, I discovered across this one, or, or came across this idea, when I first joined Booz Allen four years ago, Booz Allen Hamilton, we had, at that time we had 600 data scientists, now we have about 2,000. But we did an internal study, basically a personality profile, you know, what are the strongest aptitudes of these data scientists that sets them apart from other people in the in our business? And one of the aptitudes that really, and this is, you know, from a professional, uh, you know, personality aptitude testing organization, not you know, not my company, but a professional testing organization that does these things to find, you know, what people are good at and you know, making sure they're put into the right kind of jobs. One of those aptitudes was what was called tolerance for ambiguity. Hmm. And I heard that. I said, what the hell is that? Tolerance for ambiguity. That's so weird. But then I thought about it, and it really makes sense, because in science, there is no right or wrong answer. There's a likely answer, a probability that it's an answer. Sometimes there's that. more than one answer. Sometimes there's two And so you, yeah, you have to be able to tolerate that ambiguity. Yeah. And some people will just see things as black and white, that they, they can't. They can't tolerate the fact that there might be a not a definitive yes or no answer to a question. But a data oh, scientist yeah. is, is comfortable with that and cool under that pressure. But when someone says, I need to know the right or wrong answer, I say, well, I can only give you a, a likelihood. Not a, well, and that's, not that's a definitive answer. Yes, no, that's exactly that's exactly right, and I love this tolerance for ambiguity. I'll use it as a segue to bring in our final guest here, Greg Michelson from Data Robot, and I, I think that's a really cool lens through which to view the job function itself of a, a data analyst these days, right? Because, again, you, to Kirk's point, and um, we heard this at the top of the hour, too, from Todd, 
you can't really prove something beyond any shadow of doubt. There, I mean, you know, sometimes it could be so obvious that you could say, okay, I can prove it. But really, it's just theories that you're getting. But you can measure the effectiveness of your models. That's the key, right? Is uh, Greg with, for example, a tech like Data Robot, over time, you really do get a very good feel for which variables are important, which variables are changing things of value uh, in your business, and that's then you're on the road to using data science effectively, right, Greg? Yeah, uh, you know what? What I find anyway with people who are who are kind of exploring around trying to find that next thing uh, is, is that there are lots of different motivations, right? I mean, certainly there's some interesting tasks to be done around finding the right model and iterating and doing science and playing with data and stuff like all the, the other folks have talked about. But I think one key thing that we, we've uh, maybe not discussed enough as we talk about careers and data is kind of what people want out of life. Uh, I've taught uh, uh, data science at the, at the graduate level a few times, uh, probably a half dozen semesters worth of uh, of courses, and I, I always find these people that had signed up for my class, and they don't really like data, you know, but they want a better job. You know what I mean? And you get, these people are actually really easy to recognize. Like my my grandma is one of these people. Like when she gets on her computer and she wants to copy and paste something, you know, she'll like select it with the mouse and then right click and go to copy instead of just pasting or pressing Command-C or Control-C. And I've told her about a thousand times, you know, you can just push the, the shortcut key and she just doesn't care. Like, she's not interested in being good at working her computer. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, if that's you, maybe data science isn't the job for you. You know what I mean? Like, there really is this, this idea that you should do things that you want to spend time on. Right, and uh, if you don't want to spend time on, you know, looking at spreadsheets and and like squinting at data and writing computer code and and stuff like that, then well, maybe you shouldn't be in the data space, and that's totally okay, right? Like, it's fine to know what you want and go after the things you're good at. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, you reminded me of uh, I think in the pre-call we were joking about this. The comedian Bill Burr, who's in one of his podcasts one day, said, "Yeah, I came up uh, with the with the secret to happiness. It goes like this: If someone asks you if you want to do something and you want to do it, say yes. And if someone asks you if you want to do something and you don't, say no. <laughs> and it's like that, you know, it's pretty simple, but it's a good point, right, Craig? You have to know what you want to do and focus on that, right, Greg?" Yeah, and universities do, uh, I don't know that they always do a great job at preparing people for the kind of jobs that they're actually going to get. I mean, if you think about the the type of things that you learn in a, a graduate program for data science, you're going to be learning things like mathematical statistics and probability theory and and kind of first principles stuff when it comes to how to how to build predictive models and how to do yeah. statistical inference and all that kind of stuff. And yep, yep, yep. We'll pick that. Yep. We'll pick that up after the break, folks. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to DM Radio, all about jobs and data. We'll be right back.
Farmers Insurance presents 60 Seconds of Service. When you help out the U.S. Coast Guard, they always pay you back. That story after this. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it, covered it. Talk to farmers. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchange and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Last year's government shutdown affected several government entities, including the U.S. Coast Guard. During that time, a Kentucky organization called the Veterans Club stepped up to help. They were able to raise several thousand dollars broken down in gift cards for the Coast Guard members and also brought tons of food for the food pantry to get set up just to provide that support. This week, the Coast Guard members paid them back by spending time at the Veterans Club Equine Therapy Ranch doing a variety of tasks. They repaired fences, stall doors, weed eating, anything that needed to be done. Coast Guard members... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. David LaSalle said, this is what the Coast Guard does. Anytime we can give back to our community, we love it. Probiotic fermented turmeric. Probiotic fermented beets. Probiotic fermented greens. Introducing Quantum Nutrition Lab's Probiotic Fermented Nutrition, scientifically formulated to deliver organic, full-spectrum fermented ingredients for maximum digestion and absorption. Even those with poor digestion can enjoy the full benefits of these fermented nutritional powerhouses. Buy three or more of any combination and get 35% off. Call 888-588-7578, 888-588-7578, or visit us online at qnlabs.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Marshall, PhD, host of The Healthline. Tune in to get your questions answered and hear the latest breakthrough information for you and your family. Our product line, Quantum Nutrition Labs, delivers what others only promise, nutrition that really works. Healthline is distributed nationally by the Gab Radio Network. This is Dr. Mitch Gibson from The Mitch and Kathy Show. Have you ever wondered why you can't talk to people about certain things? Every day we go through life holding back on what we really want to talk about. Yes, there's a lot of talk shows that give you a chance to air your opinions about politics, race relations, and a host of other topics that you're supposed to be thinking about. Well, what about those other areas that you hold back on, such as that ghost you saw when you were a kid, those times when you travel outside your body, that UFO you can't talk about that you saw in your backyard? Those strange people that appear and disappear around you, and you know you're not crazy. On the Mitch and Kathy Show, we give you a chance to talk about stuff like that, things that you hide from the world. In this way, we consider ourselves a guilty pleasure. Visit themitchandkathyshow.com for more information, or go to gabradionetwork.com.
Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks. Welcome back here on DM Radio in the home stretch. And Greg Michelson, Data Robot, I'd like to bring you back in. You were finishing a point there, so go ahead and, and finish up on what you were saying. Yeah. Um, I, it seems to me that there's an awful lot of value in in an individual that can become practically useful at working with data. And that doesn't necessarily require a, a first principles understanding of all the of all the details of how all these data algorithms and coding languages and all that stuff work. And that's an achievable goal for a, a vast number of people. Using purely the internet and no kind of like, you know, evening degrees and stuff like that. There's a there's a huge amount of, of content available on the internet, many thousands of tutorials, uh, you know, many, many websites that will answer any question you have about anything. Uh, let alone data-related <laughs> matters. So, I, I would say that you know, if 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 you want a career in data, that don't go back to school. I mean, start on the internet and try to solve some problems. And then, if you find That's an beautiful. aptitude and you enjoy it, then you can think about the schooling or the or or other paths down the road. But it's so easy to get reps in, you know, just off of off, off of some of the websites out there. That uh, it'd be insane not to go down that path first. Yeah, yeah. Greg and I, we should, uh, you and I, should do a whole show on World Matters sometime about this very topic of education and needing to go to some four-year degree or needing to get a master's degree or whatever. I'm seeing um, stats that that say master's degrees in general are going down in terms of popularity, and I think that's a good thing because, to your point, you can actually roll up your sleeves, go out there, and get at the data yourself and start doing something with it. And there's the Google, and there's the Wikipedia, and there's Coursera. I mean, really, the, the amount of material out there to be had for free is just astonishing. And that kind of gets me to our, our roundtable topic here that was suggested there in the break of communication skills. You know, Now that we're solving a lot of the hard technical issues, like moving data from here to there and all these difficult um, things that used to be so time intensive well now we could focus on the softer skills like communication like being able to explain to someone from other part department of your of your organization what it is that you're doing and do so in a way that is productive that's just critical uh, skill set stuff right greg yeah the uh, one good illustration of this is is in the hedge fund and asset management space uh, I'm, I'm a data scientist i have a phd in statistics but I am less than useless in the asset management space because I don't know anything about the business, right? I, I don't know anything about how, you know, how you pl- place trades. I can't understand half the words that they use, even though they're words that I know the definition of. Uh, they have their own vocabulary, and there's massive value in being able to not just communicate what you're trying to tell people, but also understand the context of the problems that you're trying to solve, and sort of translate between those two things. So you can't underestimate the, the importance of the, the business expertise, the subject matter knowledge, and, and so on, because there are lots of fields where if you don't have that, you, you just can't play at all. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it really is important. And frankly, one of the things I love about this show, and, and Tom, or I'm sorry, Todd Maddox, I'll bring you back in on this, 
is I remind myself that this is terrestrial radio. We have estimated one million people who will hear this show over the course of the next week. Most of them are not data scientists. Just to be clear, most of them are not at all in that space. So I'm always reminding myself to break it down and speak about it in layman's terms and, and explain what these things do. And it's really, it's very refreshing because it, it gets me grounded. It keeps me focused. And I think hopefully it gives some of the audience members out there some of the language, some of the lexicon so that they can start speaking and become data literate. Right, Todd? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, <clears throat> my PhD is in psychology and neuroscience and with an emphasis on learning. And what I will say about this is that the parts of the brain <laughs> that drive behavior, that drive uh, active listening, that drive effective communication, that drive the body language that says, I'm listening to you, I'm not ignoring you, <laughs> that drives, I really understand that, we need to communicate, and we're having trouble communicating. This is all mediated by parts of the brain that are not engaged with data science, um, and, and that's okay. But what it means is is that to be, you know, a well-rounded data scientist, or frankly, any position in a corporate world with silos falling all over the place and cross-functional teams everywhere is that we need to develop, you know, T-shaped employees who have these this deep expertise like data science but can communicate it, that is, can engage those parts of the brain and train those parts of the brain that drive the people skills, what people call the soft skills. And without that, um, we're, you know, a data scientist, we are, we are performing very suboptimally. Um, and, you know, our, our hard work gets devalued. Yeah. No, that's a good point, and I'll bring Chris Sorensen back in to talk about uh, the soft skills, too. It's really important to be able to communicate, and one of the cool things I learned at, uh, at Sapphire this year, there was a, a psychologist that seems to be a, a growing trend of psychologists interfacing with the data world who was saying that you want your employees to have the psychological security to speak their minds. You don't want a culture of people getting berated for asking dumb questions, for example. So culture is really important in fostering positive dialogue, right, Chris? Absolutely, and that's, uh, you know, that's getting into <clears throat> having that culture setting the tone of the, the top to allow people to ask those questions, and I shouldn't just say questions, question things, right? Because uh, like you were saying through here, analytics is highly collaborative. It's just without question, this is a highly collaborative space. Uh, it requires good social skills, good communication skills, being able to work with others because you want to try and get to conclusion as quick as possible. And you know, to add to the extend the point we we're talking about earlier, with getting more data points on on whatever you're trying to make a conclusion on, is having more opinions is a good thing too. To say, well, what do you think? What are you seeing? Uh, and valuing other people's uh, uh, opinions on that. So I think it's extremely important that. Uh, that uh, the people have those skills. And I often joke that uh, if I went back and did a, another degree, even though we're talking about, you know, <laughs> sometimes not necessarily having to have degrees and stuff like that, I would do it in psychology or sociology because uh, whenever you are doing anything with data and, and telling people about it, you are in some way, shape, or form going to be inflicting change management or, or some discomfort into people because they may not agree with that number, maybe telling them their KPI is lower, uh, and that whole change management ripple effect of, you know, I'm just reporting it as a number and a fact, but we often forget that there's a human on the other side of that that may now feel threatened. Uh, so, you know, 
social skills, collaboration skills, and even just understand the psychological behavior of, yeah, I'm telling you the number, this was it is, this is what it is, but we're forgetting sometimes there's humans on the other side of this stuff as well. So uh, well, it's, right. it's a very social space. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we, we should always keep the human beings in mind. And Kirk, I'll throw this back over to you and and maybe I'll throw a, a curveball uh, after a moment here, but your thoughts on the importance of communication skills in data management. Well, uh, I mentioned earlier my seven Cs, which was way more than seven, one of those being communication. <laughs> and the way I like to think of it is, I like to think of that as data storytelling. Uh, so, so I want to make two, three quick points there and then uh, move, <laughs> get, get the floor back to you. But first point, uh, data storytelling. It's being able to say, uh, tell the what, so what, and now what about what you've done with your data, and being able to communicate the, you know, why you did it, you know, what you did, what, why you did it, and what does it mean now. Second point is is the left brain, right brain thing, which a couple people have already mentioned here, and that is the neuroscience studies have shown that really the, the when when someone is being presented facts and numbers and details like that. It's really in, engaging with the left brain. I mean, the left brain lights up when you hear all those facts. But when the person is asked to make a decision, when someone makes a decision, and it's, it's lighting up the right brain, that is the decision-making happens more on the empathetic side. You really feel like this is the right thing to do. So you have to be able to tell that story that, that, that will connect that left brain and right brain in, in a person. It's not just the numbers. It's the story you tell with it. And the third point I want to make is that what I always tell people, they ask me, what do I do at Booz Allen? And I say, I, 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 I'm in a special category. There are, there are people out there in the world, and, and, and there, we know some of these people. They're not people I encourage. But there are people out there who, who talk the talk. That is, they, they, they know how to talk about the hype. They use the buzzwords and maybe don't even know what they're saying. But the real hardcore data scientists are the ones who know how to walk the talk. They know, they know how to do the hard stuff not just talk about it, they do the hearts. And then my role, I, I like to say, I'm the person, who, and, my, and I like ahead. to say my role is the third category, which is talking the walk. That is, I, I know how to describe the hard stuff in words that reach people who aren't knowledgeable. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, again, it's the data literacy of passion, I feel, is my, my role is being able to communicate this to people who maybe don't understand the hard stuff. So being able to talk the walk gets you that right place where you, you know what you know what went on in that algorithm, but you can explain it to someone. Yeah, and that that's actually a good um, taking off point, I suppose, or teaser for our, our next show. We will have a week off coming up. It is July fourth. We do take breaks occasionally on on TM Radio. But uh, what an absolutely fantastic group of folks today. The curveball I wanted to throw will be for another show very soon. We got to do a show on ethics. Uh, ethics in data is going to be paramount going forward. I was having great conversations with uh, Donald Farmer out at uh, Skywalker Ranch, and he made such an excellent point about how in the security space you do your threat assessment, you do your modeling. Where could things go wrong? What can we do about all that? We don't do that with privacy. We don't do that with governance. We don't do that with software engineering in general, and we need to. That will be the topic for another show. Big thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to all of you out there. You've been listening to DM Radio. Why are
are you listening to this radio station? Why? When you can host your own radio show. You're listening, and you think you can do better? You have a message or a product you want everyone to know about. Host your own radio show. Team up with the area's best radio professionals and let them make you sound like you should be on NBC. KCAA NBC Radio, that is. KCAA produces more than 50 local programs each week on subjects ranging from business and sports to political talk, vegan diets, or even marijuana-related issues. We don't just broadcast on the radio. We broadcast to the world, online, on TV, on social media, on Facebook. You'll be all over. Imagine what your friends will say. And KCAA reaches over 5 million people on three radio stations. Join the staff on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. NBC Radio. Jump on the KCAA Express. Call 909-793-1065. That's 909-793-1065. And get ready to transmit. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.5. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.